turn to someone next to you and say, cancel the funeral. I believe that God wants to cancel some funerals that some of you have been throwing over some dreams in your life, some gifts that you have buried, some relationships you think are shot, some things in your life you think are impossible, some addictions you've stopped fighting to, to win. God says, cancel the funeral. I got resurrection power for you. It's Holy Week. It's Resurrection Week. Come on, it's victory in your life. We serve a God who not only makes bad people good, more importantly, he brings dead people back to life. He changes things that look hopeless. And the one miracle that really landed Jesus in the hot spot with the religious people that made them want to crucify him by the way, it was the religious people that, that crucified Jesus. They were the ones who stirred up the chants, crucify him. But the one miracle that ticked everyone off was the miracle of Lazarus. How many of you guys have heard the story of Lazarus before, right? All of us in this room have probably even uh, thought about it, heard about it, probably heard sermons about it. But today I wanna look at it through a different lens because I believe every single one of us in this room has a Lazarus and you may not even realize it. For some of you, you've buried Lazarus so deep, you forgot there is a Lazarus in your life. You forgot about that gift. You forgot about that dream. You forgot that you used to fight against that bad habit. There's some things in our life, and I think every single one of us has this, and if you have a Bible, we're gonna go to the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Yeah, we get excited about the Word of God. The thing I love about Lazarus is it's a comeback story. It, it, it's a story of the unexpected happening. And, and it's, a, it's a story full of tension, it's a story full of disappointment, it's a story full of pain. I, I love those movies that just take me on an emotional roller coaster, right? They just, they, they, they take me through the feelings of, is she gonna end up with the right guy? Is it gonna get better than it is right now? It looks really bad right now, is Batman gonna live, right? Like the movies that just stir up the feeling of tension, like what's going to happen? That's the story of Lazarus. God loves a good comeback story. Speaking of comeback stories, speaking of, 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 of Cinderella stories, I got my ORU basketball jersey with me. I am still proud of my alma mater. They made it to the Sweet 16, and they will be back. And I think next time they could go to the Final Four, maybe to the whole championship. But you know, all week I was just pumping up. Where, where's the ORU students in the house? The grads, the alumni, the current students. Let's go! Golden Eagles, baby, let's fly. But you know, I was, uh, all week I was just telling everybody, I was telling everyone I know about, about ORU and I was telling them about how, what, what does it mean, a Cinderella story? Because my wife was like, what do they mean by hello Cinderella? Why am I seeing this hashtag Cinderella and they're chanting Cinderella? I said, Babe, Cinderella, like she was the one that no one expected to end up with the prince. Like ORU is, is Cinderella. They're the one that no one expected to advance this far. God loves a good underdog story. Uh, the whole world like cheers for the underdog story. And this is really what Lazarus is all about. And, and the story of Lazarus is that no matter what looks dead in your life or what looks impossible in your life, we serve a God who's able to do the impossible exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask, hope, dream, or imagine. But every Lazarus story has a beginning. And let's start at this beginning because some of you are right here at the start of chapter 11. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. And the sickness wasn't bad at first. It was just... It was just a normal sickness. It, it hadn't yet gotten 
terrible. It wasn't the pandemic yet. It was just the beginning of, of something. There were signs that he had a fever. There were signs he was coughing. And, and he was from Bethany, which was only two miles away from where Jesus was at. Jesus was in Jerusalem. And, and so Bethany is a short walk, 30 minutes. I've been there before. I remember going to the Holy Land with my parents when I was a kid, and we toured Israel. We got to go to Jerusalem and Galilee. It was just the trip of a lifetime. I remember going to Bethany. It was a four-minute drive on a bus from Jerusalem to Bethany. You could walk it in 30 minutes, and, and Lazarus was there, just two miles away from Jesus, and he was sick. And he was a friend of Jesus. The village that Mary and Martha were from and this Mary was also the sister of Lazarus, who now lay sick. So now Jesus is, is friends with these two ladies. We know about Mary and Martha. Martha was the cook. She made the best food. She always took care of Jesus. She made really good lemon pepper wings, better than Buffalo Wild Wings, better than Wingstop, better than Red Rock. I mean, she was a great cook. Jesus loved to eat Martha's food. Martha would get frustrated because she was always working and cooking and cleaning the house, and Mary was just sitting there, listening to Jesus, having worship services. She was just lost in worship, not caring about the responsibilities of the house. Jesus was friends with these ladies. He was friends with Lazarus. They were, they were like on his favorite contacts. They texted each other. They were part of a group text, always blowing each other up, talking about what was going on. And so here, Mary, Mary and Martha, Mary, who was also the one that wiped Jesus's feet with her hair and perfume, and John wanted us to know that detail. I don't know why, but we'll keep going in verse three. It says, so the sisters, they sent word to Jesus, and they said, Lord, our brother, the one that you love, Lazarus, he, he's sick. We know you love him, so come and do something about it, because <laughs> we know that you, you open the blind eyes, you open the deaf ears, right? You heal all types of people, so come and heal your friend. Everything in this moment makes sense to me. I'm reading this and I'm going, yes, when I have a problem, I call on Jesus. I know I can count on Jesus. In this moment, I'm reading it. There's, there's the beginning of tension. There's the beginning of a sickness, a problem. Mary and Martha do exactly what they should do. They call on Jesus. When you have a problem, call on Jesus. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. I love that. Jesus says, this is not going to end badly. Spoiler alert, Lazarus lives in the end, just in case you were wondering. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and he loved Lazarus. And then verse six flows right out of verse five. This is where it doesn't make sense. This is where the keys should just stop playing because it gets really awkward. And if I had a DJ, I would have him go, wooka, wooka, wah, wah. Like it, it's like when I'm reading the scripture, I'm going, oh, hold up, wait, what? It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Everything made sense until we got to that part. And I'm going, why would you stay where you are when your friend is sick and you have the power to heal him? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us right now on how to handle disappointment, how to handle those moments when we don't understand you, when even we might get frustrated with your process, even when we feel like you show up late or we feel like you didn't show up on time, we feel like you missed the moment where you could have done something in our lives. I pray that you would speak to us today, God, that no matter how things look in our life, 
No matter how bad things may look, even if we're in the middle of a funeral going on right now over a relationship, over a dream, over a situation, over a, a, a desire we used to have, that today, God, you would cancel the funeral and you would do a resurrection story for your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you, Carlos. I'll call you back in just a moment. So God loves to surprise people and he loves to do things that are different than what we expected. Have you ever um, sent a text message to someone and you know that they saw it and they didn't respond? This ticks me off. One of my biggest love languages is communication. And, and when I send a text, this happens to staff members. I'll send a text to a staff member and I actually see that it says red. They should turn that, that, that off right now. But I see that it says red and they will not respond to me. And hours go by, and then I'll see them at work, and I'll walk up to them and be like, did you see my text? I know you saw my text. How come you haven't responded to me? They're like, oh, pastor, oh, I'm, I'm going to get to that. I'm, I'm sorry I got busy. And I'm like, just text me back next time. Like when my kids get a phone, they better text back as soon as their dad and mom send them a text. How many of you guys get frustrated when people don't respond to your text? Like it is, it is a pet peeve for me that if I'm sending this text, at least have the audacity to respond and tell me that you're thinking about it, you're working on it, whatever, that you're gonna get back to me soon on it. In this moment, I imagine how Martha and Mary are, are feeling because they send Jesus a message. They say, we need you. Your brother is sick, right? Your friend Lazarus is sick. Our brother, he's sick. He's your friend. You love him. Come. And it's like Jesus looks at the text message and doesn't respond to them. And if I had a text to Jesus, this is, this is what this story would look like. If I was sending a text to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I really need your help right now. Are you busy? <laughs> Two days and you don't respond to my text? What is happening right now? That, that would frustrate. Some of you in the room, you would go nuts. You would go and find Jesus. You'd be like, respond to my text message right now. How many of you guys have ever hunted down your daughter, your son, your friend, like to come, your roommate, and you find them and you're like, you didn't respond to my text message. So I would start, like I'm the kind of texter that if you don't respond, I start blowing up your phone. Like I, I would start sending more texts. Jesus, it's been two days. I know you saw that text. Hello, um, I need you to read that. Why aren't you responding to me? God, where are you? I need you. Jesus, my dad is dying. I'm struggling with this depression. Hello? Where are you, God? I really need help on these decisions to make. I've been begging you for years. Where are you? I can only imagine the frustration that, that Mary and Martha are feeling trying to figure out why hasn't he come yet? He's two miles away. It's a 30-minute walk. He's not that busy. He's our friend. He stays at our house. When we cook, he shows up. How come he's not coming when we need him? That's what they're going through. Have you ever felt frustrated with God before? 15 of us in the room. The rest of y'all got your masks on. The pandemic is over. I'm just kidding, it's still going, but you can take off your church mask. All of us have, have been at points where we are frustrated with God, and we're trying to figure out, come on, I, I've been there. M many of you in the room who didn't raise your hand, if you really thought about it, you'd be like, yeah, because we sing these songs at church where we say, uh, 
You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. But if we start thinking about it, we're like, except that one time in sixth grade when I prayed and you didn't help me win. And ORU lost their basketball game against Arkansas. We all prayed for them. But you're never gonna let me down. And God's like, well, I never promised to fight that battle, <laughs> right? He never, he never promised to, to, to make sure that our favorite team won or that our favorite politician was voted in or that, that every law we wanted to be passed in America was passed. And sometimes we look at things in our life, we're going, How? it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, Paul. I, I prayed for this. I tithed. Why did my dad die of cancer and her dad got healed? Why, why, why am I still walking to work and that woman just won a free car and I've been tithing and I've been praying and, and see, faith is a mystery. We don't want to talk about this all the time. We just want to talk about all the happy, exciting, you know, finishes that, that, that Lazarus rose from the grave and let's get on to it. Job got everything back. But I just want for a moment to hang out in the disappointment. I want to just stay at verse six for a second. The fact that Jesus knew that Mary and Martha were hurting, that Lazarus was sick and he wasn't getting better, and that Jesus didn't even respond. He says, let's just stay here. Let's just stay here. If God had a love language, what would it be? For me, my love language is words of affirmation. It just feels good to hear just kind, affirming words. How many of y'all, that's your love language, words of affirmation. You're doing great. You look amazing. So glad you're here at church. You're doing a great job. You're going to make it. How many of y'all, your love language is quality time? Where's the quality time, people? You're like, I don't need to hear the words. I just want you to be with me. Give me your undivided attention. Quality time means a lot to you. What about acts of service? Where's the acts of service, love language? You're like, I like it when people just do acts of service for me. They cleaned my car. They helped around the house. They did the dishes. They did things for me, and it was an act of service. What would God's love language be? It wouldn't be words of affirmation. He doesn't need affirmation. He knows who he is. It wouldn't even be quality time, although he does love it when you spend time with him. If God had a love language, I think it would be trust because he loves to be trusted. He loves to know that you trust him even when he does things that you don't understand. See, faith is not faith if it always makes sense to you. If you can always make sense of it, it's not faith. Real faith begins where understanding ends. I found out what my faith was made of after my father passed. Because before he passed away, everything made sense from verse 1 through verse 5. When I had a problem, I prayed. When I was believing God for something, I prayed. And when my prayers got answered, my faith got stronger. Momentum was building. Great things were happening. You can control it until you can't. Because sometimes we're taught in the faith community, not in this church, but we're taught if you do this and you say this and you give this, then you get that. One plus one equals two. Except for sometimes it doesn't. Because <laughs> God will not be manipulated. You cannot manipulate God with your formulas of faith. God is beyond our understanding. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So God will sometimes surprise you and do things that you didn't expect him to do. And he'll do things that you didn't want him to do. And sometimes he won't answer the prayers that you thought he was going to answer on the timeline that you wanted him to answer. Everybody has a Lazarus. 
For some of you, the Lazarus hasn't registered yet because you're thinking, oh, Lazarus represents like someone's husband who's still in an addiction and, and she's wrapped him up and, and she's put him in a tomb because she thinks he's never going to break free from that. But for some of you, the Lazarus is the desire to have children. And after the sixth miscarriage, you just stopped believing that it's possible. For some of you, the Lazarus is the desire to get married. And at one point, you used to really pray for it, but you've stopped. You've kind of just settled that maybe this is my lot in life. Maybe this is never going to happen. For some of you, the Lazarus is an addiction that you used to fight to try to break. But now you've just buried it in your character. And it's just become a part of who you are. You're comfortable with the dysfunction. You're comfortable with the dead man. And Jesus says, cancel the funeral. Because I'm not finished with you yet. And I have a different plan than what you thought I was going to do. Faith is a mystery. Faith is not a way to control the outcomes. Faith is a way of trusting God even when the outcomes don't make sense based on your obedience. See, my job is the seed. God's job is the harvest. I cannot control the harvest. I am not the Lord of the harvest. I am not the Lord of the outcome. I can't determine what's going to happen. Martha sowed the seed. She reached out to Jesus. She prayed the prayer. Will you help us? Lazarus is sick. I'm asking you to heal him. That's what we are called to do is to believe that he can do it, but we cannot control how he does it, when he does it, whether he does it. And when we, listen, the outcome will determine whether you are propelled with faith or if you become resentful and paralyzed by fear and disappointment. Some of you are right here. You are disappointed with God and you have lost your desire to believe that he can do it. But God still shows up at the tomb of every Lazarus. He still shows up. No matter how mad you are at him, your anger at God does not cancel his power in your life. Your disappointment in God does not cancel or limit what he can do at the tomb of Lazarus. So Jesus is right here. The disciples are confused. They're thinking, you love Lazarus. You love Mary. You love Martha. You're two miles away. Why don't you just go to Bethany and heal Lazarus? We just watched you turn water into wine. You just healed a paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. You just healed a blind man who had been blind since birth. Why not just go and heal this man who has a fever? He's, it's not even a bad sickness. It's only going to get worse if you stay here. Jesus says, let's stay here. But it's getting worse. Let's stay here. Well, shouldn't we at least send them a text to say that you got the message? Nope, just stay here. In our minds, we think God doesn't love us if he doesn't show up when we ask him to. But what if, what if God is proving his love to you to show you that he's not going to do it exactly the way you wanted him to do it, but what he has in store is going to be even greater than you imagined. See, I wanted him in the hospital room, but he wanted to show up to the tomb. He wanted to show up in a way where the whole world would go, this doesn't even make sense. There had never been a resurrection miracle like this before. This was the first one in the history of the world. Jesus was going to give the Israelites a foreshadow, a foretaste of what was about to happen. This miracle would land Jesus in hot water with the Pharisees. They would say, this one right here sends him to the cross. Jesus was preparing them with this testimony. What if Jesus is delaying the miracle in your life because he has a bigger testimony he wants to tell through you? Don't count them out. Don't count them out. 
I want the keys to come up as we get ready to go back into this story of what Jesus does. He says, let's go back to Judea in verse 7. The, the disciples, they said, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there, they tried to stone you. Why do you want to go to a place where people want to kill you? What they didn't understand, because they didn't have a Bible, and we, we, we take for granted the fact that we have the insight of hindsight. We know what happened. We already know the end of the chapter. They didn't know. And yet they still follow Jesus, even when it didn't make sense. Can you follow Jesus when it doesn't make sense? Can you follow Jesus? Like Peter didn't understand why Jesus kept talking about the cross. Peter said, no, 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 you don't have to die. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go to the cross. Jesus said, you don't understand, Peter. You don't understand. Can you follow Jesus when you don't understand? He said, let's go back to Judea. He said, but if we go there, you'll die. They didn't know that he was going to die anyways but that no one could take his life. He was going to willingly give it sacrificially for them. Jesus was invincible until Calvary. He knew that he could go anywhere and not die until it was his time to die. So Jesus said, let's go. They said, why, why would we go there? Jesus said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by the world's light. But anyone who, person who walks at night, they do stumble for they have no light. Now, this is funny, because when I read this, I'm thinking, Jesus didn't even answer their question. He just confused them even more. They're, I just imagine them looking at him. <laughs> when, I, when I think about the disciples, I think about, like, Jeff Foxworthy, Larry the Cable Guy, like, just some really good Oklahoma backwoods, like, just guys who, like, love to fish, because they were all fishermen and, and, like, tax collectors, and I just imagine them like, uh... So what does that mean, Jesus, you know? What are we gonna do, you know? <laughs> and Jesus is like, our friend Lazarus, verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going there to wake him up. And they're like, well, if he's sleeping, we should let him sleep. Because he'll get better, Jesus. Let's let him sleep. I, I would like to sleep. Let's go take a nap with Lazarus. And Jesus is looking at him like, you boys still don't get it. He was speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus made it plain for them. Lazarus is dead. They're like, oh, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him and bring him back to life. And look at Thomas. He's so full of faith. Thomas goes, let's go and die with him too. Like Thomas, Thomas is just like, let's go die. I love, I love Thomas. God is not on your schedule and he will not be moved by your discomforts. Sometimes God will let you be uncomfortable in a situation longer than you had hoped. If God really loved you, the enemy always whispers these, these lies, these accusations to get you resentful towards God. If God really loved you, he would have shown up by now. If God really loved you, you'd have kids by now. If God really loved you, your dad would have been healed of that cancer. If God really loved you, you'd be married by now. If God really loved you, God really loved you. The enemy always wants to get us accusing God. And so here they are in disappointment. In verse 17, it says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. In the Jewish tradition, they believed that a spirit could return to a body within three days, that there was still a chance a person could live even three days after dying, a spirit could return. Jesus made sure to wait past their expectation. Jesus made sure not just to disappoint them, but to really disappoint them. 
to show up the day after they thought it might still be possible, but on the fourth day, there was no way that a spirit could return. In their minds, the, the idea that Lazarus could ever live again was completely gone. Remember, they're not, they're not in the story the way that we're in it. John, who wrote the book of John, he wrote it in 90 AD. Jesus died and rose from the grave in 33 AD. So 57 years later, John sits down and he writes this book. And he writes about seven different miracles. And the final miracle he writes about is the story of Lazarus. He wrote these miracles 55 years after Jesus had risen from the grave. He had time to think about it. And I imagine John sitting there going, I need to explain why this miracle was so important. And I need to explain what was going on. And I need to make sure people understand Jesus really disappointed Martha. That he really disappointed Mary. That they were angry at him. So as John's writing this, he's including certain details. He has places in, in, in this chapter, like when I was reading in verse 2 of John chapter 11, there's this moment of a parenthesis that when I first read it, it didn't make sense to me. I was thinking, why did he put that detail in there? Don't put a period where, where God wants to put a parenthesis. Don't, don't put a period where God wants to put a comma. See, John, John wrote in verse 2, this Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. John put that in there, but the only problem was he's, he's talking about something that hasn't happened yet. That doesn't happen until John chapter 12. He's telling us about a part of Mary's life that's in the future. He's letting us know at the start of a painful moment in Mary's life, there is a future. There's light at the end of the tunnel. The same Mary that you're about to read about that's angry at God, that's depressed, that's frustrated because her brother just died, she doesn't stay that way. There's a future moment where she's worshiping instead of weeping. There's a future moment where she's thanking God instead of being angry at God. Uh, John wanted the readers to know this is not how the story's going to end. There is a better chapter. Chapter 11 is not your final chapter. You might be in chapter 11 right now, but chapter 12 is coming. You need to see yourself in chapter 12 in order to get through chapter 11. In order to get through the dark season in your life, in order to get through the frustrating, lonely season, the season of being disappointed and angry at God, you need to see yourself worshiping. You need to see yourself set free from that addiction. You need to see yourself already out of those chains. You need to see yourself redeemed from that, 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 that sickness that you, you need to see yourself healed you need to see yourself on the other side you're gonna get through this things might look bad but Mary Mary's not gonna be here forever but she is here and she's angry and it says that on the arrival Jesus found Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them the funeral was already in procession they had funerals for days back then. Funeral wasn't just a two-hour funeral or one hour. They would have a full week of just mourning. They would grieve. They would, they would dress in all black, and they would weep, and they would cover themselves in ashes. And, and so here they are. They're mourning. They're grieving. They're in a funeral procession, and Jesus shows up at the funeral. And when Martha found out that Jesus showed up at the funeral, she was furious. Martha was not inviting Jesus into the house. She was not going to cook for him this time. No wings for you. No soup for you. Jesus doesn't even get to the porch of the house. Martha comes all the way out to the gate. She says, you can stop right there. 
You stay right there. And Jesus says, I love you, Martha. She said, if you loved me, where were you when I needed you? I know you read the text. I saw you read the text. Why didn't you respond to my text, son? Right? Martha's frustrated. You go, oh, that's bad. She shouldn't be mad at Jesus. But Jesus still does a miracle even though Martha's mad. I love that Jesus is not limited by, by your madness. She says, Lord! She still calls him Lord. He's still on the throne. Even though it didn't go her way, he's still Lord to her. She has not, don't let your circumstances confuse who your God is. He's still Lord. He's still good. He's still the leader. He's still on the throne. He can't be voted out. He wasn't voted in. He sits above the cosmos. He sits above the emperors. He sits above the presidents and the kings and the problems in your life. She says, Lord, I know you're still Lord. But where were you when I needed you? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had shown up, my dad would, he would still be here. If you, if you would have come, God, I would have been married by now. We would have had kids by now. Things would be better. I'd be done with this bad habit. If you would have shown up, my dreams would have been accomplished. I would have gotten the scholarship. We would have gotten the car. We would have sold the house. Things would be better if you would have come, God. We wouldn't be in chapter 11 bankruptcy, but we're here. And I just don't see chapter 12. See, Martha didn't have the Bible. She didn't know how things were going to end. In her mind, it was over. Chapter 11 was the end for her. And we're not even talking about the end of chapter 11. We're talking about verse 21. If you would have shown up, things would have been better. But I love how she changes her conversation. You need to change the narrative in your mind for a second. Some of you have been stuck in verse 21 just saying, if he would have, I just wish God would have done this. By the way, Jesus will only come as far as you let him in your life. Martha wasn't even going to let him in the house. She said, you can stay at the gate. You're not coming in this time. You showed up when you needed a place to stay. When you didn't want to go on Airbnb, you came to our house. But you had to wait four days when I needed you the most. You didn't come to the hospital room when we were calling for you, Jesus. So you could stay right here. Mary didn't even leave the house. Mary stayed in the house. She was so mad at Jesus, she didn't even get up. That's the same woman that, that used to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. Martha had the faith to at least meet him at the gate. Mary was just staying in the house. She said, I don't even want to see him. I don't even want to talk to him. He didn't respond to our text. We left our group text on red, didn't even reply. But I love how Martha changes the narrative. She says, I know that even now, somebody say even now, even now, even now in 2021, even now after the pandemic, even now after my father's passed, even now, you're still good. You're still God. You're still on the throne and you still can do a miracle. Even now, it may not be the way I thought it was going to be. It may not go the way I thought it was going to go. Maybe Lazarus isn't coming out of the tomb. But I'm going to get my joy back. And I'm going to get my mind back. And I'm going to get my peace back. Because Lord, you're still Lord. And you're still good. And you're still God. She says, even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Well, that's nice, Jesus. That's really what she says. That's nice. I know at the end of time. Look at her response. She says, in the end, verse 24, she says, I know what you're talking about. In the last days, the dead are going to rise, right? There's going to be a resurrection. 
Not now. There's no way it could happen now. Jesus looks at her and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am here and now. Even now, I can do what you think I can't do. Even now, past your disappointment, past the miscarriage, past the abuse, past the hurts, I can still do a miracle. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Now he's talking theological and she doesn't fully understand. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. But she gets this last question. He says, do you believe in what I'm saying? And I love her response. She says, yes, Lord, I believe. Let's say that together. Yes, Lord, I believe. That's all he needs. That's his love language. When he hears you saying that, he goes, whoo, come on. I'm about to do something out of nothing. I can work with trust. I love to be trusted. God loves when we trust him. And you say, Paul, it's hard to trust him. It's hard to trust him when you've been disappointed by him. But even now, I still believe. I still believe. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. When I was looking at that, I was thinking, she doesn't actually say that she believes he can do something. She says she believes in who he is. She's saying, I don't know what you're going to do, and I'm tired of trying to manipulate what I want you to do. I've been praying. I've been worshiping. I've been giving in the offering. I've been writing down my, my prayer request. I'm going to stop saying that I believe it's going to happen on March 31st exactly like this, and I'm going to get married. We're going to have kids. Lazarus is going to live again. Everything's going to be fine. I'm going to stop trying to spell it all out like it has to happen on my timeline, my way. Instead of saying, I believe it's going to happen my way, she says, I believe you are the son of God. I believe in your character. I believe that no matter what happens or when it happens or how it happens or where it happens, that you are the son of God. And that is enough for me. I believe that you are my sole sufficiency. Some of us in the room have forgotten that our job is to praise God, not for what he does for us, but for who he is to us, because he has already done so much for us. Even if he didn't do one more thing, he saved your soul from hell, and he's worthy of praise because he's the son of God, not because he's the blesser of whatever gift you've been waiting on from his hand, but because you believe in his character, that he's faithful and he's good and he's worthy to be praised I don't worship God because he does things my way I worship God because he's God and I'm not I'm not the God of, of the harvest I'm not the Lord of the harvest I'm the Lord of the seed which means I'm in charge of, of my seed whether I sow it or I withhold it I'm in charge of my praise whether I sing it or I stay silent. But if I stay silent, the rocks are going to cry out. Job knew, I can't determine when my life is going to turn around. I can't determine whether I'm going to get my life back, whether my house will be back or my kids will be back or if my health gets better. 
but I can determine the seed I'm going to sow even when I'm in a famine. Job lifted up a praise to the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Martha knew that she may not get Lazarus back, but Jesus was enough for her. You are the son of God. You're my savior. Where else would I go? Of course I believe in you. And after she said this, she went back. By the way, she left Jesus at the gate. She didn't let him follow her. She said, you stay right there. Jesus will stay where you leave him. He's a gentleman. He doesn't even follow her into the house. She goes back and she gets Mary. She says, Mary, I know you don't want to see him, but the teacher is asking for you. You need to go and talk to him. So Mary, she goes and she finds Jesus. Did you guys ever watch the show Full House? Do you remember the little girl? <laughs> she always had like a bad attitude. She'd walk in and, you know, just cross her arms. My dad used to say, I don't want to see that bad attitude out of you guys. When you watch that show, don't learn from her bad attitude. But I just imagine Mary comes right up there to Jesus. And look at verse 30. It says, Jesus had not even entered the village. He was still at the place. He was still right where Martha left him. So she comes out there. She points her finger at Jesus in verse 32. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She fell at his feet. She's weeping. Now, we all think in the room, go, oh, you can't talk to Jesus like that. He can't handle your anger. You need to talk faith to him. You need to talk nice to him. God can't handle your true feelings. He needs you to wear a mask and act like everything's fine. Sweep it under the rug. Pretend like you're not mad that, that, that the thing hasn't turned around. Your greatest, most godly prayer is going to be your most honest, vulnerable prayer. When you are the most honest, raw, and vulnerable, you are the most godly in your prayer time. When you are putting on a facade during your prayer time, acting like everything's fine and all is well, you need to tell God honestly what's going on in your life. That's where you get, when you get real, God gets real. When you get honest, God can move. And Jesus doesn't even rebuke her. He doesn't say, you shouldn't act like that. Jesus says, I get it. In fact, before Jesus demonstrates his authority, he demonstrates his empathy. He gets right there. If you're going to memorize a scripture this year, here's an easy one for you. John 11:35. Jesus wept. He weeps with those who weep. Before he even calls Lazarus out, he just says, I get it. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel alone. I know what it's like to feel rejected. I know what it's like to feel disappointed in God. I know what it's like to feel like you're, you're, you're being maligned and people are accusing you of stuff that's not true and, and you, you've walked through pain and you've been abused by your husband and you've been hurt. I know what it's like to feel rejected. I know what it's like to feel angry. I know what it's like. Jesus empathizes before he demonstrates his power. And I love that. That's a lesson for us to learn. Before you walk into a situation and try to fix it, maybe the best first response is to weep. So Jesus wept. All of us in this room have a Lazarus. For four days, he was laid there. I need some help this morning. Um, Chris, I don't know where you're at, but Chris, come on up here. And I'm going to call up a couple guys. I need you to play the part of Lazarus with me just for a second. And... Um, I just wonder if some of you in the room, and I know this is kind of funny, but I just wonder if some of you in the room have wrapped up some stuff in your life. 
Can you guys wrap up, Chris, just for a second? And I want you to make sure that you wrap them up tight. For some of you, you've wrapped up your husband. Oh, he's still there, but you've just told God, I give up. All we do is fight. He hasn't changed. For some of you, you've wrapped up your wife. She's still there, but in your mind, she's Lazarus. She ain't changing, Paul. For some of you, it's your son. You say, Paul, I prayed, I prayed. He's chosen his lifestyle. I thought it might change three years in, but he's still in the same lifestyle, and I don't know what to do, so I've become comfortable. I've become comfortable with this. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I'm just, I'm not even believing that my son's coming back to church anymore. I, I've accepted the outcome. I can't control it, so I'm wrapping it up. When my father passed away, I didn't even realize it. For some of you, you've buried Lazarus so deep, it hasn't even registered that it's Lazarus in your life. For some of you, it's not a person. It's not a relationship. It's not between you and your spouse or your son or your daughter or your dad or your grandpa. For some of you, it's a gift in your life. I used to write songs all the time. I had a band in 2001, and we traveled, and, and I wrote songs between 2000, really between year 2000 and 2009, I wrote Thousands of songs. Every day I loved writing songs. It just came to me. When my father passed, I stopped writing songs. But I didn't realize that I stopped because I still would sit on the piano. I'd come into the church. I'd play the guitar. I was playing everyone else's songs. I had stopped writing. For 11 years, I didn't write a song. The gift had become a Lazarus in my life. And I was comfortable with it. It was buried. Other people could write, not me. That gift is gone, it's dead, that dream is over, and I'm fine with it. And then the pandemic hit last year, 11 years later. It was like Jesus showed up at the tomb of Lazarus in my heart and said, hey, remember that gift of songwriting? Your church needs it right now. And in May of 2020, I sat down here in this church and I started singing these words. When I speak your name, darkness has to flee. When I speak your name, I have authority. When I speak your name, mountains have to move. When I speak your name, chains are breaking loose. When I speak your name, Hearts will start to heal when I speak your name. My storms are being still when I speak your name. The demons have to flee when I speak your name. I have victory. And one by one, it was like these songs started flowing. I started crying. I said, I haven't written a song in 11 years. And it was like the Lord was reminding me that was a Lazarus that you buried, that I never intended to die. Cancel the funeral, Paul. I still have plans for your dreams. I still have plans for that gift that you, you thought was over. You thought it was dead, but I'm bringing it back to life. Some of you in this room, you have a Lazarus you don't even realize. You've buried it so deep, you forgot you had it. When you were seven years old, you had a dream. When you were 13 years old, you had a prophecy over you. And then you wrapped it up. You say, Paul, the reason I wrapped it up is because my dad slapped me in the face. 
The reason I wrapped it up is because my mom said I'm a failure. You would understand, Paul. The reason why I thought it was dead is because you don't know the strife that's in our house. You don't know the things she said to me. You don't know the way he's talked to me, Paul. The reason I wrapped it up, it, it would make sense if you knew. Jesus, if you would have been there, he's, he still would be alive. If you would have shown up, our marriage would be better. But we've already taken him to the tomb. Go ahead, take him to the tomb. Take him to the tomb. He's already in the tomb. He's been in the tomb for four days. Give these guys a big hand. They didn't know what they were signing up for. What if I just left him there for the next week? And I didn't preach about it. What if I ended the sermon with the death of Lazarus and I never got to the resurrection? What if I said, hey, we've run out of time. That's the end of the message. See y'all later. God bless you. And then next Sunday on Resurrection Sunday, Chris is still in there. He hasn't eaten in seven days. He's been waiting for me to finish the illustration. I'm so glad that Jesus finished the illustration. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't end it right here. Some of the people that were there that day, this is Holy Week, this is Passover week. You need to know that Jesus cares about you. He didn't just die for your sins. He didn't just die so that you could go to heaven someday. He died so that you could have heaven invade your life right here. Resurrection power in this life. This is Passion Week. And he cares about you, Mary. He cares about you, Martha. He cares about you, John. People say, well, you shouldn't insert people's names in the Bible. The Bible is all about Jesus. But when I read the Bible, I see people's names. I see Martha. I see that she's angry. I see Mary. I see that she's depressed. I see Lazarus. And he was getting sicker by the second and Jesus didn't show up. I see Jairus and I see Talitha and I see Peter and I see Matthew and I see James and I see Mark and I see Luke and I see John. How can I not talk about people? Jesus came for people. The Bible is about God speaking to people saying, I see you, I hear you, I'm weeping with you, and I haven't forgotten about you. And I haven't forgotten about Lazarus. They said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? So the people are doubting. But Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the place. He said, show me the place where they laid him. Take me to the place where you put Lazarus. Take me to the embarrassing place. Take me to the place of your deepest disappointment. Take me to the place where you started wearing a mask to church. Take me to the place where you gave up on your husband. Take me to the place where you gave up on your wife. Take me to the place where you gave up on your daughter. Take me to the place where you got angry at God. Take me to the place where you put a stone over your heart. Oh yeah, they, they rolled a stone over the cave where Lazarus was at. Nothing could go in and nothing could come out. Kind of like your heart. Nothing's been coming out for a while. You come to church, but you're numb. So it's a checklist. I showed up. You're never gonna let me down. Jesus says, I want to go there. Martha said, it's, it smells, Jesus. You don't want to go there. Let's just have church. Let's just play church. Let's just, let's just do the church thing. We'll still come to your services. We'll still listen to your sermons. 
please don't go there. Jesus says, no, I want to go there. I want to go right where he's cursed at you. I want to go right where he hit you in the face. I want to go right where he walked out on you. I want to go right, right where you had that fight with your son, right before church. I want to go there. She says, you don't want to see it. It's embarrassing. If you saw what was in my family's house, there's a reason I stopped you at the gate. I don't want you to come any closer. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He is not intimidated by your death. He is not intimidated by your secret sins. He is not intimidated by your dark pain. He is not intimidated by your family history. He is not intimidated by what they said to you, by what you did to them, by what you said to them. He's not intimidated by your worst sin. He says, I want to go there. I want to go where you messed up. I want to go not just where they hurt you, but where you hurt them. And you've been living in self-hatred ever since you did it. Roll away the stone. I need some help. This stone is too big for me to roll. Let's give it up for the Roman soldiers in the house. So they took away the stone. They took away the stone. And Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But for the sake of those who are here today, for the sake of the single parent mom in the house today, for the sake of the young boy who's been struggling for years with this bad habit, for the sake of the dad who's been living in depression and self-hatred, for the sake of the woman who's been wearing the mask to church for 10 years, for the sake of those who've given up on dreams and gifts and relationships and people in their life, for the sake of all the Lazaruses in the room, for their sake, God, I say right now, Lord, that your power is here. Your power is here to heal, to set free, to open the blind eyes, to unlock the deaf ears, and yes, to bring the dead back to life. And with a loud voice, Jesus looked at that tomb and he said, Lazarus, come out. And all of a sudden, that dead man came walking out of the tomb. And when he came walking out, Jesus said, take off those clothes. Take off those grave clothes. Take off what they said. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Feel the Holy Spirit in the room right now. He's at the tomb. He's speaking to you. He's saying, come forth. Come forth. Come out, John. 
bring that prayer back out. It's not over. At the scent of water, the tree will bud again. New life is coming. He's not finished with you. Your story is not over. Chapter 11 has a better ending. Chapter 12 is coming. Resurrection is coming. Sunday is coming. You might be at the tomb right now. You might be on the cross. You might be in a place of deep, dark pain. But on the fourth day, when Jesus showed up, he spoke to all the skeptics and all the doubters and all the atheists and all those who were angry at God. And he showed them that God can do the impossible. Cancel the funeral. We got to change the plans. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here right now and you just say, man, I've got some things that I need God to show up at. I, I've got some things that I've buried. There's some, there's some Lazaruses in my life. If, there, if there's a Lazarus right now in the room, just raise your hand. If there's some things that you're just saying, man, I need God to breathe resurrection life this morning. I need to get my faith back. I need to get my joy back. I need to get my mind back. I need to get my brain back. I need to get my fight back. I've stopped fighting and today I'm gonna fight again. I'm gonna rise up and I'm gonna see a victory in some areas where I settled for defeat. I'm gonna wake up that Lazarus again inside of me. That it's time to wake up, wake up, wake up. It's time. If you raised your hand or you needed to raise your hand or you just need to get to the altar today, I want you to leave your seat. Come and meet me right here. Come on, this is your tomb. This is your moment. You're coming forth. You're waking up that dead man inside. You're waking up that joy again. You're waking up that fight again. You're waking up that faith again. You're waking up the miracle working power of God in your life. Come on. Captains, let go of those chains.
put your hand on your heart. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of need. We say come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. God's saying he's, he's resuscitating life into you. He's doing spiritual CPR. He's saying some of you flatlined a long time ago. You didn't know it, but you just stopped praying. You stopped believing. You stopped being honest. You got hurt. You kept that stone right over the entrance. gotten so depressed in one season in my life. The only way I could describe it is that I, I felt like I had gone into a house and I found a basement and I took a staircase down to the basement. And when I got to the basement, I saw another door and there was another staircase to another basement and another basement. And, and, and for me, it felt like I was seven floors below where I should have been. It was like my mind had just gone so down into a place of sadness and numbness and hurt. And I remember the night when God just started like just dropping raindrops on my head. It was like it was raining and I was, I was standing on a bridge one night. And I could hear the enemy whispering over me, just end it, end the misery, end the pain. And, and I remember that night just feeling like raindrops hitting my head. It was like there was a leak from that floor cracking through the, the basement and it was hitting my head. And it was like, it was like my, my father in heaven, my earthly dad and my spiritual father in heaven was, was just saying, no, 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 Paul, life, 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 choose life. in you than he that's in the world. You've not been given a spirit of fear or depression or intimidation, but power, love, and a sound mind. Sound mind. Sound mind. Sound mind. Lazarus. Lazarus, wake up. Wake up. Come out of that sunken state. Come out of that numbness. Come out of that pain. Come out of that tomb. Come out of that grave. Come out of that grave that they put you in. Come out of that I remember getting up and just shouting, I choose to live. I choose to live. And I will not die. And I will praise the Lord. 
This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I choose life. I choose to live. God's whispering to you. He's calling you out. He's saying, choose life, Lazarus. Choose life. Come out of that grave. Come out of that tomb. Dust off those dreams. Dust off those gifts. Dust off those prayers you stopped praying. Bring it back. Bring them back. The Lord is, is breathing fresh life. He's breathing fresh life. He's breathing fresh life to you. He's saying, get your heart beating again. Get your mind back again. Get your hope back again. Get your joy back again. Easter is here. Resurrection is here. Spring is here. The winter is over. The cold is over. The snow has melted. It's time for resurrection life. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you rose from the grave. You didn't stay dead. You are alive. And you've given me resurrection life. So today, I am rising up. I am waking up. Fresh life. Fresh joy. Fresh faith. I believe you can do all things. You are God, and I have put my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. You have the victory.